Well, welcome everyone. I have the privilege of starting off Matt's series, or the series that yeah, he's felt God place on his heart. It's that the rubber hits the road. And um, the moment Matt uh, said that to me, and then he looked at me and I said, oh, so do you want me to, he actually said, oh, I'm going to ask you to help me preach in this next segment. And then uh, after he started last week, I said, oh, so when do you want me to preach? And he goes, just smiled at me. I'm thinking, oh, what's that mean? He goes, next week? But he said to me earlier, oh, how many weeks notice do you need? I'm thinking, oh, I don't need any notice, Matt. I can do it. Should have said more because <laughs> he threw me in first. Um, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah. So this is about brotherhood. And when I mean brotherhood, I mean sisterhood and um, not just cartoon characters. I mean about us collectively. So if, if any of you, I don't know if any of you know, maybe only your kids will know that, these two here, but they're like best friends. Okay, if you've ever seen the show, that's probably all you need to learn from the show. <laughs> that they're just best friends. So, and everything that uh, God gave me for today, to the start of the rubber hits the road, comes out of this um, this verse. And this was Jesus talking to his uh, disciples just before um, he was going to die. And uh, this is just after he said to them, "I won't be with you much longer." And they didn't really quite understand what was going on. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So that there is not talking to um, the, the world. That was talking just to his disciples. That was just him and the 12 at that time. So that's a very intimate um, and inclusive thing just for them. And um, this relates later to uh, the way we should respond to the outside world, outside of the church. But at the moment, we're focusing on how it looks like for us and what it looks like for us sitting here in this room and the other congregations also meeting on a Sunday today. So the things that I really found that were... See, I didn't really know this verse. I didn't really know much about it. And I suppose I didn't give it any weight. So I sort of went through it and had a look at the things um, that really stood out to me that I believe God was showing me. And the first is that it's a new command. So it was actually not a piece of advice or your life, a beatitude. This, this will help you. This was a command. So that's, that's heavy. That's not a, I can shrug that off. If you've read that and now you've heard it, I'm sorry, you have now no excuse. Because that's done. Like that's a command for a disciple. So we have to keep that in our heads, that that is for a disciple. So us. I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, so you must. Is that on there? That's my version, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you must love one another. All men, so all men, not just some, all men will know you. Uh, sorry, know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This might be a slightly different version of what I've written down. If you love one another. So we get that bit. That's clear. Now you all know it. The excuse is gone. But what sort of love are we looking at? So the two types of love that um, the Bible talks about, which most of us should already be very familiar with, is agape love, the first one. So that's the highest form of love, the, the most pure, noble. You, you can't have a greater love than that. Um, so at first when I read that, I thought, well, surely it's not that love. I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. That is saying 
that I have to be able to say to all of you who are my brothers and sisters to have a, a, a agape love, which is a completely sacrificial love for you. That's very hard. I, I've never really given it that amount of weight. Sorry, I can't see your face, Kelly. Is that bugging you now, someone? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, because at first I thought it might be the, is it filio? Filio love? Which is as a best friend. And uh, that is what you saw David and Jonathan have that. They were best, the best of friends. It was affectionate. It was generous. It's, sort of, it's a sort of love that we all need and that that's the sort of love that you have in another person that you always go to. But it's actually talking about more than that. I don't believe that um, God intended us to have that filio love with everyone in the church. It would just not work. It'd be too hard. And I don't think that all of you could handle me being that close to all of you. So for me, it's Steve. So with Steve, that's the filial love for me. So he, he hears all the, the good and he hears all the bad. And then he's the one who has to tell me that I'm sucking or that I'm in the right place. But we weren't told Jesus didn't command that sort of love because he may have shown aspects of that, but the love he showed us was agape love. So that just threw everything I understood about church out the window because I thought I sort of had a good grasp of how to love disciples in the church. I thought it was more of a best friend love. Oh, I will definitely be over there to mow your lawns or I'll, oh, you know, we'll hang out, I'll text you every day, all that. It's just not feasible. It's, it'll never happen. And it's not healthy for us. But agape love is. That means that we don't have to be best friends, but you are still closer that love there is closer than a blood, a blood tie love. And these things for me, I'm still trying to grasp because it's a little bit hard to understand. Could Jesus really expect us to have that for one another? For Sam to say, I need a kidney? Well, Jesus gave his whole body. What's my kidney worth? So... And these sound radical, this sounds radical, but it's only radical because we don't operate in that way a lot of the time. Whereas the, the Jewish society, well, I don't know what they do now, but I know in, in 2,000 years ago, it was their culture. You were, and you can look at other cultures. Um, they, they have that, unfortunately, an Australian culture, and maybe it's a, a Western Americanized culture, we're starting to lose that. And agape love is becoming something of an impossibility. It is too much because death is too ultimate, it's too extreme. So to say to someone that I could give my life for you, or at least that I would try, people, I don't, know, I don't know how we can wrap our heads around that. But it's something we have to wrap our heads around because it's a command. And we must do it. And not just for our sake, that people will know we're disciples. They, that's how they, we don't have to then say to people, oh, I'm a disciple, I love Jesus Christ. We don't have to do that anymore. They will know, not they might know, they will know, all men will know by loving one another. So that takes the pressure off on the train. Oh, I probably need to tell all these people that I'm a Christian. You do it, you're wacko. I think you lose your effectiveness unless God's calling you to do that. But there are other ways and he gave it to us right there. So they're the two loves. 
this is where it gets a little bit more um, heavy. And I had a few things that I was like, I don't know how I'm going to present these to people. I don't know how people are going to take it. Um, here we go. So, cover all that. What does that agape love look like in our church? And um, it means that the way I do things isn't always right. And it means the way we all do things isn't always right. Because it was a furious love for one another. And it was a love that um, it corrected each other and it's not easily offended. It was a love that um, wasn't afraid to stand in the line fire of something else. So when Kelly's down, sympathy and empathy are nice. They're not enough. That's not enough. We are called to be... Can we pronounce it, Matt? The Ecclesia? 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 We're called to be the set-aside ones, not the gather-on-a-Sunday ones. We're the set-aside, grouped-together ones. And when my sister or brother is down, we know how to respond to this in a good family um, life. When, when our family's healthy, our actual blood family, we know how to respond to that. Um, you get out there and help them. You, you do your very best. But that's not always easy, um, as you know, when family gets tough. And it's not easy in church setting because, well, let's face it, we don't always all get along. And we're not always the same as each other. And sometimes the things that we hold really dear are different to someone else. And then our priorities aren't the same and things get messy. But that's not agape love. Agape love is it doesn't matter. You fight for your church family. You fight for those that are now your new brothers and sisters. When we say, oh, we're part of a family, I think sometimes we take it too lightly. Um, I know that for myself, uh, family and how to live in family has always been very hard for me because I've always tried extending my family, not by making children, but by <laughs> um, friends became family. And it, it was hard, especially for me and Aaron, my brother, he is all, it's family. And I'm like, yes. And it was very hard for me. And I think that the model of a family is the beginning of how we understand how God works because it, you do everything, everything for your family. And then you, you get saved and God gives you a new family and you do everything for that family. Now, that makes you think, oh, but I don't want to be doing, I don't want to be the person that has to do everything. For, if I say I'm going to help out Callie mowing her lawns or whatnot, Everyone's going to want me to do everything. But that only happens if one person's showing agape love and only one person's doing it. Then it's duly dangerous. And I feel sorry for you because that'll, <laughs> that'll be really bad. But um, if everyone's doing it, it's a race. Steve wants to mow Kelly's lawn, but I want to get there before Steve. <laughs> like it, it changes how we think about things. Because um, it's a privilege to be able to do this. It was, it was God's... Uh, he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't so important. And so it is our privilege to be like him. So if I have an opportunity to love in an agape love, which is sort of unfathomable in a lot of ways, then that is my privilege. That is, that, that is my greatest gain. If I was able to give my life for someone in here, well, then that, that, is, that is everything. Um, and for, for the person I would give my life to or the person uh, and for myself, I just received a great gift. So 
but this brings us down to another part of that love. And this is the one that I believe uh, the enemy really works at. And um, we spoke a bit about it in there when we're praying, that when we pray, we seem to sort of drift apart from each other. And that's sometimes because it's uncomfortable or my breath smells and people too close to me. I don't know. But um, what happens is people go into this, this is um, me and God and um, I'm in my space. And if I just move away from here, I won't be uncomfortable being this close to you worshipping together or, or praying together. I don't want him to hear me muttering in tongues under my voice. We're meant to be getting closer. We're meant to be drawing closer to one another. That's how we move more effectively. And in that, we need to have grace for one another. And um, I've spoken hours with, with Matt and Steve and other people about this grace and um, this message God's been putting um, onto a few of us, that grace is actually what is going to set people free. Now, how many Christians do we know that have um, been very effective in church and loving church? It's their family. They feel family. And then something happens. They do something or they make a decision in life and um, they've made the wrong decision. Or in their eyes, it's not wrong. But other people's, it is wrong. And all of a sudden, people go, oh, I'm going to pin that on you, it's wrong. And there's no grace shown to any of those people. And where do they go? Straight out the door. And you never see them again. Now, I'm not saying that this is um, grace to do whatever you want. That's not what Paul was talking about. But it is talking about the fact that in God's eyes, we can do no wrong anymore. It's dealt with. It's finished. Not that we can't do wrong, but it doesn't matter. That, that's the same love that Jesus had. So if that really means something to us, that we are trying to have an agape love, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So it's a short verse, but it means a lot. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So, oh, there's a screen here. <laughs> um, the people that leave church, whether it's their own decision, well, it is their own decision or whether it's them not hearing God or it takes a very big person to receive no grace from a whole church or a heap of people and still go, I'm going to stick in here. I'm going to stick it out because I know that God still has grace. But that takes a lot. And if, if that was all it took, God wouldn't tell us to have grace for each other. He needs us to have grace for one another. We're a body. His grace is enough, correct. But we have to also display the same things because we all make mistakes. And guilt and shame, they're the ties that bind. They're the things that hang on. The sin goes and you get past that. But the things that hang on, if people hold them to you, is shame and guilt. These are the things that um, all churches, all people, friendships struggle with. It's guilt and shame. Because the enemy knows very well that the sin's done. The sin's finished and it was taken. So the memory and the idea or what happened can remain. That can stay. So whenever we, we have inside of us, oh, yeah, but I'm free of that, then there's the remember that. Now, that's not for the church. That's not for us. We do not want that in our church because grace, grace finished guilt and shame. It's done. 
And the reason I'm pushing grace so much is because that is what Jesus showed us and that's what he commanded us to, to have that agape love. So we need to do it for each other. So if you have um, resentment or judgment against someone else, that's the next thing I've just taken away from you. You can't have it anymore. That excuse is gone, but they really hurt me. Well, we really hurt Christ. We nailed him to a board and they, they said horrible things. Well, they said horrible things to him. He still showed them grace, still forgave them, and he then commanded us to do the same. So that's judgment gone. What I'm saying is don't drag people's sin out from hell and pin it on them. It's done. It's finished. The only person who can pin sin on someone was Jesus, and he pinned it on himself. So be careful when dragging things out because there's a lot of our own down there. So judgment, uh, shame, guilt, the things that we put on people without knowing it. So hands up here if you've sinned. Hands up here if you have judged others. Hands up here if you still judge others. I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> hands up here if you're trying not to judge others. Okay. This here takes away judgment. It takes, it takes it away. It's done. It's finished. We don't have the right to judge. We can learn from things. We're not, I'm not telling you to be silly and be foolish and just launch into everything because everyone's forgiven and I've forgotten everything. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that their indiscretions have been dealt with. It's done. And it's definitely not for us to pin on anyone because Jesus didn't, so we can't. We, we literally can't. We shouldn't. It's so, it is so much more wrong than we think it is. So as your brother, I should be able to confess the most horrible sins to you. Here, up the front, I should be able to tell you the worst things in my life, um, no matter how uh, inappropriate, uh, sickening, uh, degrading it is. I should be able to say it. Should be able to come. Not that it's necessary, because it's not giving glory to the things. It's not a boasting. But I can boast in the fact that I have been so horribly wrong, and now I'm so perfectly right in God because of His redemption through grace. So if we can't come up and say, I am struggling with this, um, I'm, I'm involved in this, I'm struggling with money, I'm struggling with women, I'm struggling with men, whatever, <laughs> not for me, we are in trouble. <laughs> We're in trouble. Um, because it's a really slippery slope. If I can't tell you what I'm struggling with, because... The truth is I'm not struggling anymore. The truth is we've been made new and the struggle and the, the sin that we were carrying and the stuff that, we was, that was making us a person that was sick is dead. That's done. It's finished. So when we talk about it, we should talk with victory. But I should be able to talk about it. I shouldn't feel like, even the stuff that happens in the church, a lot of the time I think we're pretty good at going, oh, well, you're struggling with this at home, with this at work. And like I swear like a sailor when I'm in a bad mood. And, um, and I, was, I was just talking to Matt about this. That it's just it's the cultural, the cultural differences that make it really offensive. But if we couldn't talk about that because I was too afraid to swear 
in front of Matt, then we have a problem. Not that the swearing is the good thing, but the fact that we're open and that um, we both understand that the sin's finished, it's done, the swearing, it doesn't, it matters um, to not do it, but it doesn't matter to God, it's finished. So it doesn't have to matter to us. So with all this in mind and what um, God was giving me through this week, I was standing at my toolbox thinking, I'm actually really nervous about this, this sermon because, because I don't think we are complete family. I don't feel like we are complete family. The reason I get up here is because I believe God has told me to and then I've got good people who um, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm learning that agape love with um, and I believe I'm starting to receive it back. They keep telling me, well, this, this must be a gifting for you or this is, this is what God's saying or don't be afraid, go for it. Um, God's got this on your heart. Don't even say sorry, um, which I'm not allowed to say today. So, so that, that's prompted me for. But the thing that really should be uplifting us is the fact that Kerry could get up here and say whatever she needs to say. And if it's horrible, which it wouldn't be, if it's horrible, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all. If she gets it completely wrong, it shouldn't matter. Not one bit. Because this is the safe place. And we have to get it right here amongst family. And what I'm saying is that this needs to become as close as your families were at home. And the parts where we didn't get it right at home, we can get it right here. These, th- this is the time for us. And I should, I should be excited to get up in front of my family. I'm excited to see my family, my blood family. I'm excited to see my new blood family. My new, I'm excited for these things. But I should be as excited, more excited, to be up in front of you because we're talking about our dad altogether. So a lot of the stuff I should be saying shouldn't be news to you. Really, we should be almost agreeing and celebrating what I'm saying. It's not like I'm here to teach you like a teacher, like a, like a class. I'm really just saying, hey, guys, remember this. Have you, have you looked at this recently? Have you read that lately? Don't let this be a problem. So most of Paul's letters were actually just corrections. And they were teaching. A lot of what he was doing was correction and teaching, but a lot of them would have still known those things. It just would have been like an update, a freshening. And so this is what it is for you. I'm excited now to be with you, giving you an update, a refreshing as to how close we should all be. And when we do that, we're going to start to see things change. And we'll read about an Acts later, but... These things take away, uh, sorry, this, this love and this family takes away your nerves. It'll take away your anxiety. It takes away problems at home. All these things, it, they start getting solved in church, in this time together, church, Sunday, one day. It's a joke. It shouldn't just be a day. Um, it, this is where we begin to heal with each other. So in Acts 2, so this is the fellowship believers. So Acts 2, so this is actually what Matt started with. And um, he said to me at the start, this is, this is where it's all going to come from. Um, this would be, uh, this, this is in essence everything to do with brotherhood. Now this is a Jewish society, it's very different for us. But I don't think that's always a good thing. Just because we're not Jewish doesn't mean that we don't do it a Jewish way. It um, doesn't make us Jewish. 
It just means that they had something really good and that we can still have that. The, the Islamic people have good things. doesn't mean we can't have some of that. We have to get past being Australian um, middle-class people that have our own way of doing things. It's not always the right way. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Okay, so there's apostles here. There are apostles here. There are people that God called out to do individual, separate things with different giftings. So they're here. And we have a lot of youth already starting to rise up into who they're meant to be. So the first bit's covered. We have the people here. This, this is who God put in here. I'm really upset we're not all here today. Because I think that it's not because I want to hear me talk. I'd rather Matt give this sermon. But what God has for people is really good. And I, I really wish other people were here. So when you listen to this on the podcast, you should have been here. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're with mum. No, mum should have been here too. Bring mum. <laughs> Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed, performed by the apostles. So wonders and signs. Because they were meeting together, they were, they were devoted. They weren't doing fellowship and having teaching. They were devoted Devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, all the believers, and had everything in common. Now, we are not going to have everything in common in our day-to-day life. It's just not going to happen. Jake rides his bike 23 hours of the 24-hour day. I am not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. Is, is the verse talking about that? No. It's not. It's talking about the fact that when our compasses start aligning with our ideals in life, with the fact that if we all today collectively say, well, yeah, I'm on for this brotherhood, sisterhood, family thing, and um, I need to give it more. If we dedicate to that, if we start saying, you know, we'll break our pizza together or whatever we're having, if we start devoting ourselves to teaching, then our compasses start lining up. And things that weren't common become common. The things that we may have disagreed on a little bit start becoming common. And I'm talking multi-denominational as well. If our compass is a point in the same way, it doesn't matter if a Catholic believes a slight different difference to a Christian. If your compass is in the same spot, your ideals in life will start being the same. Even if you have an issue with baptism and how it's done, they are so irrelevant to what God actually is trying to do and what he wants our compasses to be doing when they're pointing the same way, the rest of everything becomes aligned. And then the fruit of your work start becoming similar. And then you start saying, well, actually, I'm going to be going to this um, ministry around the brothels as well. I have a calling on my heart now. Um, as an example, these things start happening. So don't feel like we have to be all the same and we'll all start wearing the same clothes. That's when we become a cult. We don't want that. So, Because you are, your own flavour is perfect of who you are and how God made you. If you change that, we just have one huge foot, big, stinky, useless foot. That's not what we want. We want the whole body with common, a common core. So the body's thirsty, let's all walk for the drink. Let's all go together. Now... Thankfully, Matt has next week um, because this is the practical side and how Catalyst looks at this stuff. So 
Heads up for you, Matt. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who, who were in need. So um, search your hearts for that. I'm not going to tell you what to do um, unless you want to sell it cheap to me. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. So we don't have a temple as such anymore, but that's where they went. And that was before the Holy Spirit um, invaded earth. They actually went to a place to find God. So they were used to doing that. But our temple is in here now. So when we meet, we're in the temple. We're doing that. So we don't need to find a special, we don't need to get the keys to here and rock up every day. It's talking about bringing your temples together, bringing the spirit together and be doing it as much as we can. Um, And I know this is right because it's so hard to do. It is so hard to do. Friends from work, friends from school, yep, movies, catch up, whatever, sweet, three times a week, no problem. No problem. Steve calls me up. Hey, man, we need to talk and pray. Oh, I'm so tired. I've done so much over time. But guess what? All the boys, we're going down to the pub and we're going to have a palm meal. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. It, it's something shifts. Something is different. And that's why it has to be right. It's just so hard to do to meet with believers. And sometimes I'll be there and I'm talking to Steve and he's... Want to talk about um, some of his ideas for next for this year, and I'm thinking, just, just give me a beer. I don't, I don't want to talk about God. It's too hard. It's too heavy. It's 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 just too much involved that I have to think about. But that is why, and that's how we know that through the day, I haven't been thinking in the right paradigm. I haven't been going. I can't wait to see my brother Steve. I can't wait to hear what he has to do and how he wants to help the church and the body. I haven't been thinking that at all. So we have to change how we think about this. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. I struggle with the enjoying favour of all people. I struggle to be around all people all the time. It's really, really hard. But there's, there's a reason they wrote that, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. It didn't just say enjoying God's favour the favour of all people. So that means we gain favour together. That means together we, being together is what God wants. We gain his favour for that, doing that. So today we gain favour. Unfortunately, um, I don't think that just the one day is enough. Um, Well, fortunately. I think that that is a misconception of the body and... uh, People see the Sunday as like a Sabbath. Well, that's not true either. Today is the day to work and, and, and to worship God, to get into it, to get stuck into it and to be together. So I think we become, do church, be lazy. Do church, be lazy. That's, that's how I do a lot of Sundays. Oh, but today's God's day. I want to watch TV. I am not going to mow the lawns because it's God's day. And should we hang out and talk about what we're going to do in 2016? No, nah, it's God's day. Mm-mm. God does what he wants to do. I think God's busy today. I'm not going to do anything either. That's not the right attitude and it gets me all the time. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that didn't say that Sam added to the number daily, that Sam at the train station added to the number daily. It didn't say that. It says that the Lord added to their number daily. They weren't doing anything as far as evangelising. It didn't say that they were actually handing out um, food in the street. 
they were multiplying food. They, were, they didn't say that. It says that they were giving to those who needed. It didn't say that they were teaching those who hadn't heard. They weren't on the street corner teaching. They were just being family the way we're meant to be. So Brett's forward driving trip, that's being family, doing things together. Um, obviously, we have to be sensitive to what we're meant to be doing. But it says that if we do these things, and the Lord added to their number daily, that takes your pressure off again. So no more, oh, I can't enjoy being around you, I should be at the train station hanging out. If you're not meant to be there and you're meant to be with your family, that's where you're meant to be. We're meant to want to be close to each other. We're meant to want to share things. Don't feel guilty for wanting to meet with each other and sharing a meal. That's why we're together. That's what family is. If you feel that you're meant to be inviting your actual neighbours over into the meal between brothers and sisters, fine. But you're meant to want to do these things together. And um, this will change the way we do activate groups. It will change the way we do church on a Sunday. So this is, um, I don't really know how to explain this. I've learnt over a few years, and in particular, it's just all come to my head from the amount of fights I used to have at home with mum, dad, Aaron, everyone. You don't care about the family, you don't love them, um, you're never home, all this. And I was never home, never, ever home. Um, what it's taught me now is I, at times, invest too much and give too much to those who aren't my brethren. And not that I don't, not that giving's the wrong, it's what I give. It's the parts of me that I've been giving to people in such a way that um, it's actually unhealthy for me. So I'm not saying to, 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 to build up the walls and become um, monks and nuns. I'm saying that we have to be very careful um, who we give what. Because we wear armour. We do. We put on armour. And all the ideals of the Bible are arming us, showing us who we're meant to be and uh, how we're meant to live. And that puts a shield on you. That guards your heart because we don't fall for anything now. We don't. We, we, are, we stand for one thing. We don't fall for anything. So now we stand. But then all of a sudden, if you, like I have done before, give too much to the wrong people or you give the wrong things to the wrong people, they're behind your armour. And that's when you, it's dangerous because their, their ideals, their compass is different. And sometimes when you take their advice or you, your hearts are so close that um, they influence you, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. And it confuses you. And if you, don't, if you think that you're an active Christian and you're fighting for God, and you have your church family and you're trying your hardest and you are making ground and you're making victories. If you think for a second that you have a really close friend who's not a Christian, who doesn't have the same ideals as you, if you think that you're really close to them, that the devil will not use them against you, you're a fool because he will. And that's how it happens. Um, not that it's their fault. They just don't know. They don't have agape love. They don't understand agape love. How would they understand a love that's not human if they've never received it? They don't know what they've even received. So we, we a lot of the time, my, myself, I expect um, my non-Christian brothers, fam, friends, to love me like my Christian brothers. And they don't. It's different. 
and then I'm angry at them and I lose all ground God might have been making in their life through me because my expectations of them are too high. So we need to be there. This is, the, um, this is like a real instruction for us because we need to therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is, a, is powerful and effective. So we know that, we've covered that, we've well and truly covered that. But do not be yoked, to, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 17, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteous and wickedness have in common? So we're talking about what's in common again. Or what fellowship, can, fellowship and light have with, or what fellowship can have with the dark, light can have, sorry, you know where I'm going. <laughs> What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? I'm assuming that's like Baal. Um, or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, I will walk among them, I will be their God and they will be my people. God can't exist with sin. That's why he had to rid sin of the world so that we could be with him because he was desperate for us. He was so desperate for us, he had to just get rid of it. And in the meantime, he lost his son. So this is where we have to be really balanced and we, we need our own discernment. This is really, really important because you read that and you go, oh, I'm going to have nothing to do with non-Christians because I want to be holy and I want to, I want to go up in a chariot like Elijah to heaven. I've got news for you, that's completely wrong. We, we are meant to be among them, but we have to be so careful. It's the yoking together we have to be careful of. It's the yoking together. Because the closer we get, we're designed to share. Jesus, he, he did that and he modeled that more than even what he was saying. If we, if we could have seen how he operated in person, he wouldn't have even need to speak. So we have to be so careful because it will get into us. And it's not just the world getting into us. You have to remember there's a driving force against us. All, it's, it's, it's a force against us wanting to be with believers. It, it's the reason churches break up so easily. One leader leaves and half the congregation leave. Churches have, even the strongest churches have problems. And the people are divided. I'm not saying they have to agree on everything. I'm saying that when their compass is pointing the same way, they have common ideals. And that keeps churches together. So, yeah, at the moment we have, we have massive struggles in uh, Boys Brigade, Andrew and myself, because uh, we're faced with different ideals. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether it's going to make or break us because um, our compasses aren't, they can't be facing the same way because our fruits aren't generating the same. We're not generating the same fruit as others. And um, yeah, this will be testament to see whether um, it's the top or the, not, not quite the bottom, but um, where believers aren't, our compasses aren't together. And uh, things start falling apart. And we can't allow that in church. We can't allow that in friendships. I have never, ever had to work so hard in a friendship than I have with Steve. Never. 
<laughs> it's a real pain. <laughs> I find it so easy to be really good friends and to, to bond with workmates. So much easier. It just, naturally they seem to be drawn to me and then from there I can go with, I know what they want to hear, I know what they don't want to hear, but they seem to think that I have some, well, I have some extra knowledge on the world that they don't quite understand I have and that attracts them and then you just enjoy the fruits of friendship. But the ones that you have to fight for, why are they so hard when you're doing all the right things? It's because there's opposition against that. There's, it's, and it's in our church. It, it, it's the division of our church as well where we get stuck on baptism. Who cares? Who cares? God can work that out with them. We've got to leave aside the things that God convicts of people's hearts and he says, I'll deal with those things. If Joel has a whacked idea on something, if Joel's whole sermon is whacked, God can deal with that. Just love me. Just have that sacrificial agape love for me and God will do the rest. Your love for me will fix me. And when I confess my sins to you, your grace will fix me. That's what heals me. Not pinning it to me. Um, not correcting me just because you can. Only correct because you feel God leads you. These are really important. Because could, we could all name the people that have been so diehard for God, or he, or he has at least put his hand on them and said, I really, really love this child. And, I'm, and you can see the works on their life. And something happens, they make a mistake, and everyone just kicks them to the curb. Like, and it changes who they are. And that's, that's really sad. That's, it's, it's really it's shameful. That is a, that's a proper shame. So, yeah. So I suppose we have to search in our hearts um, about what this looks like. And what I was talking about before, that Mark's favourite term, the year, uh, the ecclesia, um, we have to take um, we have to take hold of that. That we're not just just believers. We're something special, and together we're something special. And um, if we don't understand that, if we don't understand that we're actually set aside, it's it's the grouped ones. That's what the ecclesia means: the set aside and grouped ones to do to do the holy things, if we don't get that we're meant to do that together, because we're not that by ourselves. We're just not. So we, we have to understand that that... Too soon. That... <laughs> that is... Um, that's our power together. It's just... When I was going through this, I had a lot of different verses and different stories jump out and I believe a lot of it was um, not from the right spirit at times, where I was at work and I'm getting along, I'm thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to, this is the story I need. And when I went to put down the paper, it just wasn't working. It was not working. And then when I went to look for fellowship, because it was, I went looking for fellowship and it just, there's just so much on fellowship in there. There's just so much about how we're meant to do it together. And then there's so many warnings about not having that fellowship, about not being unified and not having the strength. We don't even need the warnings. Look at the churches around that are struggling. If, if we could get into the roots of that and understand, there'll be a core people who don't agree. 
guaranteed. And it won't be a, I don't agree on baptism. It'll be deep down, they are pinning something on someone. I don't agree with you because you've done that. Or remember the last time you tried this? Look what happened. And that's where we fall apart. It's just an opening. A small opening is all we need. But the grace closes all openings. Sorry if I'm... Oh, I'm not so sorry, Steve. I'm being very repetitive, but I I, am... It was very repetitive for me through the week. I thought, God, you've given me no content. I've got like nothing to go on here um, except these few things. But I think it's because we can't go past them. We can't just let them go by. So it doesn't mean that we um, seclude ourselves from other people. It doesn't mean that we disappear and we only ever break bread together. It doesn't mean that we only offer constructive criticism and help to our brothers. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that by doing this, people will be attracted to us. And they will know we're disciples by how we love each other. So now we're ready. Yeah, we're ready. So for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So forget the church for a second. Think about yourself. We need that to look like that. You can't help tell that Sophie helped me with this, can you? Um, you can't, we, we can't move forward and we won't move forward. That's, I declare that. We, we can't unless we start forgiving each other and stop pinning things on each other. Now, this isn't a, I've been doing this and I'm going to tell everyone. This is a, Inside of me, God is arresting things that I've been pinning on people. So while I was doing this, um, I, had, I had felt God say to me that I had to, go, I had to say sorry to someone at school. I don't even know how many years I've been out of school. Seven, eight years? But he, he left school in grade six. It's like a dec- more than a decade ago. Not left, but he changed. Um, so I had to get on Sophie's lame book and message him because I didn't have his phone number. And um, I, I had to do that. I thought, I cannot give this sermon uh, with this on my heart. I just, I just can't. I, God was arresting something in me. Um, I don't know what his walk is in life, but he definitely showed me something that was um, a, a, a problem, a stronghold, something that I pinned on that kid years and years and years ago. And he got back to me and said, oh, I was probably just as bad as you, don't worry. And I'm thinking, no way. No, I was definitely the bad one. But he doesn't remember that. I was definitely the bully, I think. Um, But he forgave me so quickly. He doesn't even know me anymore. And grade six, when I'm walking around with my posse and we give this kid a hard time, that destroys a kid's life. But he readily forgave me and said, don't worry about it. I was probably just as bad. I'm thinking there's no way you could have been. But he still just, he just gave it away. He isn't pinning anything on me. He could have told me. He's, as far as I know, he's not a believer. So he doesn't, under, he doesn't understand agape love, as far as I know. Um, he could have pinned it all on me. Why shouldn't he? I, if I did that, I did the wrong thing. Why should he forgive me at all? Anyone got any answers? I hurt him. So, and he should be, 
He should have barriers against me because I was dangerous to him. Yet he still openly forgave me. He didn't even have to reply. But he openly forgave me and asked about um, being married and, and work. He was ready to move on. Um, that's a big deal for someone who was in grade six who got bullied, I guess. So we have the tools he doesn't. We know the love he doesn't. What's our excuse? What are we holding on to? What judgment do you put on me from how I've done this? I won't get you to put your hand up. <laughs> but what things have you started to pin on just the way I walk or the way I move or the way I talk or having kids, fo- uh, cute little, fo- like it, little things get to all of us, little things that we pin on people and it's really, really dangerous. So get your pins off each other. Stop putting it on each other. It's been dealt with. It's finished. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So if you want forgiveness, forgive them. Stop the judgment and you have the rest. It all works. So um, if I get the worship team up, you look, I'll help you. I just want to take a second to not miss out on something God might be doing in people's hearts or showing other people that I might have missed. Um, This is so new to me. So if there's something that I've missed, something that God's still saying that's really, really important or that um, even something he's revealing to you for yourself, that he's saying, you've just been shown this, come and share it. Um, So we'll just take a moment to pray and then uh, we'll let... You guys have a bit of time to think. There'll be a few of us up here coming to pray with you. And when, I, when we're up here to pray, we're not praying with judgment. We're not praying saying that we've never judged. We're praying saying that we have struggled before and together we're going to get past all this. Okay? So when you walk up here, because I often, I often think when they get the call to pray, I think someone should just go up there and know they don't need prayer and just stand there because no one wants to be the first to move. Okay? So when you walk up, no one's pinning anything on you. No one's pinning, no one's holding judgment. They don't have the right. It's finished, okay? So from now on, when people have the call to prayer, even if you don't need prayer, someone get up, okay? Someone get up and whisper to the other person, I'm just here as an example. (laughs) I'm just taking the pressure off. If you have the courage, come up here, Okay, and make it easier for other people. If, it, if you don't feel the calling, don't worry. But search inside yourself while they're playing and uh, think about where we might hold judgment or where we might stick it. Okay, and hopefully God reveals some things to me. Hopefully there's nothing to reveal. Okay, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a, a forgetful God of sin, Lord, that you have forgotten these things, Father. I thank you, Jesus, that... When we pinned you to a cross, you pinned the sin on yourself and you took it with you. And when you, like a cannonball smashed through the gates of hell, Lord, you dropped the sin off. It's done. And I thank you, Father, that we don't have the right. We don't want the right to be able to reach down there. There's too much down there, Lord. So, Father, we'll stay here where it's safe from that, Lord, because you took it. And Lord, we will let the judgment slide off, Father. 
Thank you, Jesus. That's what you did. You freed us from that. And in Jesus' name, we, we rebuke shame and guilt, Lord. We rebuke fear because your grace sets us free from that, Lord. So, Lord, when we're praying in circles and we start to move apart, Lord, I pray that we move together. Lord, I pray that we are uncomfortably close. That there's times like you go, I don't really know that person that well and we're getting to know each other very well very quickly. Lord, that's what we want. Let's apologise for being too close than saying, I didn't know anyone and I left. So God, I just pray that you will arrest things in people's hearts today that aren't, aren't right, that aren't um, free of judgement, where we hold things in other people, Lord, because you know that when we hold things in other people, there's things being held on us. Lord, we don't have the ability to hold onto those things. They make us sick and they hurt us. So, Father, I pray that you will, in your abounding grace, show us how to have grace for one another. Fill the gaps out with your grace, Lord, so the enemy can't work his way in. Lord, that the, the different ways we worship, the different ways we sing, pray, it doesn't matter, Lord. I pray that your grace, your agape love, you will show us how to have that. You will give that, that revelation of what that looks like, Father. Let us as a church have that for other churches. But let other churches speak of Catalyst. They love each other so much. There's, there's miraculous and wonderful signs occurring there. Why? Because they meet together, Lord. Help us for our routines to start gelling together. Help our compasses to start pointing the same way so the things that weren't common are common. The ideals, Lord, that separate us, Lord, we just pray against them, Lord. I pray that they will align. And then we forget about the little things and understand that our compasses are pointing the same way. We all want your redemption and love to get to the whole world. And we all want to see you return, Father. We want these things. Let that dictate the rest of our walk. Let that dictate our ideals. Let us searching for sanctity, Lord, in you be everything for us, Father. And Lord God, I just pray that you will remind us every time we start to pin things on people. If it has to be a physical prick from a pin in our back, Lord, that would be better. That would be better than allowing us to have judgment on other people. So Lord, we just thank you for your message. We thank you that it's uh, you're just telling your, your children to love each other. Like a parent crying because your kids are fighting in the shopping centre. Lord, we want to be closer to you and we know that that means being closer to each other. So Lord, let us do that. In the heaven's name we pray. Amen. That's good.